Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good to see you, Hillsong, Kansas City, North Plaza, those watching at Lansing Correctional, wherever this message finds you, God's grace is already there. Good to have you in church. You guys can grab your seats as we continue our series called It Is well it's talking about soul health strengthening your inside world because you cannot be spiritually mature and remain emotionally immature you cannot be spiritually strong and emotionally weak you can't be spiritually healthy and emotionally unhealthy last week we talked about reconciliation where there's been a fracture in a relationship that you got to go first you got to pray for God to restore, you need to be willing to set the table, to listen, to examine yourself first, to even apologize and see where you can grow. And today we're going to the opposite side of the coin, where there are relationships that are costing you more than they should. This is a sensitive subject, and this is why I wore my all navy today. I'm like a janitor today. I am going to mop up your messy relationships today. I came to clean up the chaos in your world because there are people in your life with problems that we need to help. And there are problem people that you cannot change. God's going to set some people free from some codependency, set some free, set some people free from some problematic relationships. Just like your own emotions, if we don't manage our relationships well, they will manage you. You have to keep your emotional health, keep your strength, so you have something to actually give people. If you're always living in a sacrifice in a relationship, it can lead you to a detriment, to a lack, to bankruptcy in your inside world. So we got to be soul strong. And we represent Jesus. We can serve people but you cannot save them. Some people have to learn to stand up, not on your own strength. We lift up people, we help people carry their burdens, but you cannot care for every part of everyone's life. Because your future, your strength on the inside, being true to who you're called to be, trumps their calamity and their chaos. Proverbs chapter four. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Some people live so guarded, they never give in relationship. That's a selfish place. We're all called to live in a sacrificial place, but we have to be strong. We actually have to have something to give away. And yet some of us live our lives in codependency and, and enablement to the place where we're living in a detriment. And God wants you to learn how to be strong first So you have strength to actually give away. Guard yourself. Protect your peace. Protect your places of priority. No person, no other person is responsible for your well-being. It is up to you. And no person should be allowed to weigh you down to the point where you lose out on your purpose. I want to speak today about burdens and boundaries. Burdens and boundaries. Uh, I know wherever you're watching right now, it's loud there. It's quiet in this room right now. Let's get excited because God is going to help you get out of the mess that you've tangled yourself in 
and you maybe didn't even know it yet. Can we pray? Come on, everyone, North Plaza, those online, let's pray and lean in today. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We're extending an invitation to investigation. Go to work in our inside world. Show us where we've been doing relationships wrong and then lead us to a place of soul strength so that our relationships can be refreshing. Even in sacrifice, they can have significance. And Lord, I thank you. You're going to help us build godly boundaries, not to keep people out, but to keep our peace, to keep our strength so that we can grow strong. God, we need you. I pray for any heart that is far from you, that they would come home today, that we'd find you in a brand new way, that today is a day of salvation, not just education in your word, but celebration of what you are doing and what you want to do. Lord, we love you. We need you. And we invite you here in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Now, this is not a call to selfishness. This is a call to strength that you've got to learn how to love and to serve in a way that you're not looking to just get back what you want, but you're learning to walk into your future and be building healthy relationships all around you. See, there's a lie that many Christians believe that we have to serve all people all the time, no matter what the cost. Yes, we love to live sacrificially. We represent Jesus. But just like God doesn't force us to change, we can't choose health and healing for others. We can only choose it for ourselves. But what about love? We're supposed to love. Yeah, I get it. We got to love. Love is at the center of all we do. And Jesus always raises the bar and asks more of us than most of us are willing or wanting to give. There's always that stretch. Thank God for the grace of God that gives us the ability to live outside of ourselves. But if you're constantly living poured out, you're going to run empty. We have to love Jesus, Matthew 22. The greatest thing you need to do is to love the Lord your God with all that you got. He gets all that you got. And the second one he says is equally important. Step two, he says, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Man, that's a tall order. It's a big ask. And someone asked Jesus, hey, well, then who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, a love that helps someone when they can't help themselves. A love that picks up someone in their place of brokenness and then helps restore them back to where they can walk on their own two feet. And then Jesus says, hey, everyone is your neighbor. Everyone is a person you're called to serve. But what does that serve look like? About three years ago, I really struggled with loving my neighbor. Um, he lived, uh, we lived a uh, kind of downtown area. Uh, and, uh, he lived at the other side of the building and his dog would just bark like crazy. And, um, it just would bark and bark. And I could get over that until one day, um, that dog bit me. And I'm not talking about a little nip. I'm not talking about a playful bite. This bloodthirsty wolf <laughs> broke through my clothing and punctured my skin. How many know that's off limits? Where did he bite me? None of your business. Let's just say it was the rear hip area. At the time, I was actually holding my dog. 
And he was just looking at me like, wow, that escalated quickly. I'm like, you're supposed to protect me. You're man's best friend. But you didn't help me at all. This dog bit me. And uh, I had to go to the doctor, had to get a shot, had to get on antibiotics. Uh, I still got a little mark on my skin. I sometimes still howl at the moon. Um, but here's what bothered me. The, the, the owner of this dog, my neighbor, had a leash on the dog, but he had dropped the leash. He had the ability to restrain him, but he chose not to use it. What good is a leash if you don't use it? Now, the leash is the protection uh, for the protection of the dog not to run away and also the protection of your ginger neighbor who had to go to the doctor. A leash only allows so much space and the owner decides how much space is safe. You are the owner of your life. You are responsible for your decisions. In the same way, you get to choose the spacing between you and the people in your life. Some of us live so closed off to community and to caring for others. That is not of God. That is not what Jesus shows us. And that is not living a life of love. And some of us live all open to everyone in every need, no matter the situation. And that's not love either. Because we always give grace to people and we always love people. But above all else, we've got to learn to guard ourselves as well. In other words, we've got to be strong so that when we do serve, there's something significant that we can do. A person... For a dog, a leash, um, there is to protect him. For us in relationships, it's called a, a boundary. It protects others and it protects other people. We get to decide how much access other people get. And a person without boundaries is a person headed towards a breakdown. If you've lived your life or maybe you grew up in a family that were no boundaries, where you were allowed to remain emotionally healthy and strong, you are headed for a breakdown. Dr. Henry Cloud, who wrote a book called Boundaries, by the way, and if this message hits your heart, you need to pick that book up and read it. It says, boundaries are like property lines. It establishes what's in my yard is my responsibility, and what is in your yard is your responsibility. Now, we don't have a fence in our backyard, and my dog that did not protect me loves to run wild, and so I've got to watch it because if he does something in a neighbor's yard, that's on me. Why? Because I'm the one that decides. I'm the one who is the master of that hound, of that dog. And in the same way, you need to clearly define what is your responsibility and what is not. Not everyone else's calamity is your responsibility. Now, we live sacrificially. We always will serve. I'll walk us through what that looks like for your life. But in the same way, you need to learn to define, I have to control and guard this part of my life. So I actually have a life. So I actually can have peace. So I can actually maintain joy, even in adversity. A person without boundaries is a person who is headed towards a breakdown. And when you don't clearly define the rules of responsibility, there will be repercussions of repetitive infractions. You're going to ruin relationships and be run ragged by other people's issues. In Bible college, I just got thrown in with five other random students, random guys. Now, I went to school overseas, and so we had international students. I didn't know any of these guys. Different backgrounds, different cultures, different levels of cleanliness, different levels of hygiene. 
And so it was, we were just thrown in and we had all sorts of different standards. And because we didn't clearly define house rules early on, we had some battles, battles over the one bathroom, battles over the landline phone, because we were too broke for cell phones back then, battles over food. I was like, yo, homie, I wrote my name on that, not so you could thank me after you ate it, but that belongs to me. And more than once a week, about every single week, uh, because we didn't define responsibility and take ownership of what we were expecting from each other and ourselves, because we didn't have the same values, it got violent. Because we didn't own our responsibility, there was hostility. But we were all Christians. And more than that, we were all like studying in seminary to serve God vocationally. We were professional Christians. And so what, what do you do when there's infractions between even other believers? Shouldn't we just be like the first church in Jerusalem that shared everything all the time? Do you know that the first church in Acts chapter 6, they had boundary issues as well? that some people were retreating better than others. They had to work things out and walk in rules and health so that they could sustain all that the Holy Spirit was doing through them. We are all Christians, which means what? We have to love. Who do we love? We love all people. We're all believers. What do we have to do? We have to give grace. Who do we give grace to? Not people that are just deserving. We give grace to all people. But we also have to learn to get space particularly from some people. When you are trampled on time and time again, it is no longer sacrificially serving others. It becomes foolishness because you're not guarding yourself. You aren't strong in your own heart and soul, and you'll have nothing significant to give other people. We all have to love, and we all give grace, and yet we need this thing called truth. John chapter 1, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus came in full of grace and truth. It starts in grace. That's our relationship with God. But then it leads us to truth. Grace isn't an option. Grace is a requirement. But we don't go into relationships thinking boundaries. Like you don't go into marriage thinking about, okay, uh, this is all the things I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. No, what you do is you learn to develop them over time as you develop some soul strength and some health in your inside world. Well, we go in thinking serving. We go in thinking blessing. We go into relationships thinking about building others, not what we can take. We go in thinking we're going to help, but sometimes when we do nothing but help, it hurts. And it hurts in a place, I think, that isn't godly, and there's a better way for us to go. It says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of us should use whatever gift you have received. In other words, what you're good at, what you're called to do, what God has gifted you to, a gift to you for, you, you have received to serve others. And then it says this, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we always show grace, but we steward it. That means we don't allow some toxic people or people with toxic issues just keep trampling over our fence all the time. Grace keeps us in relationship with God. But then God has this other thing called mercy. Mercy. So our, our relationship with God is not going away even when we make mistakes and get in cycles of sin. His grace is there for us. But then there's this mercy covering, which is protecting us from the ramifications of our actions. But then even sometimes because God is so good and loving, he will lift mercy 
so that we can experience some of the pain of our continual problems. Not so he can punish us, so that he can lead us to a place called peace and change. And the same way, we always give grace, but then we need to know when someone is continuing to live outside of that mercy zone, there will be consequences for their chaos. Grace keeps us in a relationship so that truth can grow us. Grace builds a bridge between relationships so that truth can walk across it. Because the truth is this, the reality is this, grace without truth isn't helping, it's hurting. And some of you, you're living in that mercy, pour out and covering of people, and God wants you to be stronger inside. And so we have to learn to define these boundaries, and we have to learn to how to carry each other's burdens in a way that doesn't break us down. Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 31, it says we've got to get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And verse 32, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love. Some of us love to speak the truth, and yet some of us don't speak the truth in love. And we will grow to become the become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. In other words, we become more like Jesus. We mature, we grow stronger in our inside world and in our faith when we're not afraid to speak the truth. But we always have to speak the truth through a filter called love. But truth is there whether we like it or not. You cannot go jumping off a building without getting broken because the truth of physics and gravity won't be ignored because of grace. There are repercussions to truth that is ignored or denied. And this is where it gets messy. Because what is the balance between grace and truth? What is the balance between loving and serving and then understanding the lines of the property of your heart and your soul where you are giving to the detriment of the future and the destiny that God has for you? Am I the only one that needs help in this situation in my life? Because some of us are doing life with an addict. Some of us are, are in a relationship or even family with someone who always borrows and never pays back. Some of us are walking in life through someone who never tells the truth or always covers up their struggle. And there is a place where we love and there's always a place where we pray, but there needs to be a property line that's healthy in place. Are you going to live your life always in the empty, always in the red, and never being able to fuel the future that God has destined for you. It's real quiet in here because I feel like some people are understanding I need some boundaries. Turn to your neighbor wherever you're at and say, hey, I need some boundaries from you. You're a little close. I like worshiping God with you, but when you lifted your hand and it hit me in the face, that's out of line. That was not from the Holy Spirit. There's repercussions to truth that it's ignored or denied. We love everyone. We honor everyone. We serve everyone. But if all we're ever giving grace and becoming a doormat that people just keep walking on and they're not walking into their future, then in other words, they just stay there and keep wiping their feet and they never move into the house. They never move into help. They ne- health. They never move into the hope-filled future that God has for them. That is not honoring God. That's actually just exhausting yourself. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus always has this high standard. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. And we have verses like that. That means, okay, well, Jesus went to the cross for people. And so I need to learn how to carry my cross and I got to die all the time for everyone. 
no matter what their issue. And I know we are the representation of Jesus, but there was one cross carried for one time. Jesus, he died for it. And some of you are not just dying to yourself. That's sacrifice. You were dying inside because you haven't learned to establish healthy places of priority and you haven't protected your peace. Above all else, you got to guard that heart so that you actually have something of significance to give to the world around you. Because Jesus loved, but he also rebuked. Jesus turned to his right-hand guy, Peter, and said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus used names. Jesus rebuked. Why? Because Jesus loved. Loving doesn't mean weak. Loving actually means strong. And yes, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. But last time I checked, you only got two. Okay, four. Uh, but after you've been punched twice and kicked twice, you're out of cheeks. And yet we just stay in places of being battered in broken relationships. And eventually there comes a point where you're accountable to how much you are giving or pouring out if it isn't connected to them moving forward, propelling them forward, that's when we just give grace and we never use truth. Jesus had boundaries. He often went alone to get his own soul time with God. He chose who he allowed close. The three on the Mount of Transfiguration, the three in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had those close. He brought those same three when he went to heal Jairus' sick daughter. He only allowed in the house those three and the parents. In other words, people that are my closest confidants in my calling and people that love what I'm doing. He set and established boundaries. Jesus had no problem telling people no. He would not bow to what everyone else asked of him. Even when he cast the demons out of the man, um, the demoniac in, in Gerasen, he, he, he sent them in the pigs. And if you're brand new to church, haven't read your Bible, there's some wild stories in there, by the way. And they put some clothes on this naked man. And, and he's like, hey, Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, the, the, where I'm going right now, this isn't for you. You need to stay here. Jesus said, no, the rich young ruler who could offer so much financial support to Jesus's ministry, but he had a hang up. He was addicted to the affirmation of all that he had. And Jesus says, hey, because you have this issue, you can't follow me. He, he had no problem saying no, even with his own family. They tried to stop him from preaching and speaking one time. And Jesus says, I'm not having any of that. In other words, those that do the will of, of the father, this is my real family. Jesus had clearly defined roles and lanes and boundaries with people. Why? Jesus had boundaries because he had to fulfill destiny. In the same way, if you're always living in the detriment and always living in the debt in relationships, you won't fulfill the future and the destiny God has for you. Boundaries lead to blessing and they keep you from breakdowns. Boundaries lead you to blessing and the best of God when you learn how to guard your heart and then you actually have something of significance to give away. And I wonder how many of us are living in relational deficits? How many of us live in constant taking in one relationship and we haven't spoke the truth yet? We've just been calling it love. Just been calling it grace. A deficit is when you have less than you need to survive. And some of us are living in emotional bankruptcy because of one or two people that we're allowing to run our life or drag us down or pull us even backwards in life. 
Here's the truth, and you might not like this from the pulpit, but it's a reality. There are plus people and there are minus people. You get to choose all of the plus people in your life. That's your friends and your community. And yet we don't always get to choose the minus people. Some of us are born into families where there are takers. Some of us are married to people with significant problems. You you do not get to run out on every minus person. But what you get to do is establish God boundaries, good boundaries, healthy boundaries, so that they do not stay in places of struggle anymore. To keep giving to an addict without ever confronting the crisis or the chaos is not love. It's real quiet up in here. You get to decide friends and community, but some of you are stuck with minus people forever. I don't say that as a derogatory term to put them down. Let's just call it what it is. Some people build you up and some people take. And you have to have something strong and stable on the inside if you're ever going to give something of significance to those that are around you. Boundaries are not about creating division. They're about having respect. They're about staying healthy. It's about you saying, here is what is okay for me and here is what's not in this season. Maybe you had a season where it was good to pour out significantly, but you're in a different season now. Or maybe you couldn't give before, but now that you can, you're the one that has to define that. You're the one that's accountable with that. The truth is this. The only people who get upset about you setting boundaries are the ones that were benefiting you from not having any. Only the ones that seemed to care were the ones that were taking or keeping you in chaos. Proverbs chapter 22, don't befriend an angry, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character all the time. So if you're not strong and guarded in your heart that you have something to give and we give with grace, but we also give and speak with truth, then we're actually going to learn to be contaminated by their chaos. I love this from Amos chapter three, verse three, famous Amos, not just cookies. He's got the word. (laughs) Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? And you thought you were taking them somewhere? Oh no, the truth is they were holding you back. This is not a license to get rid of every negative relationship in your life. This is the freedom to begin to find what boundaries look like and have some backbone so that you can build a big God-ordained future by establishing clear lines and even, it's a scary word for many of you, have a Christ-centered confrontation. That there might be a conversation and confrontation that is actually actually a Christ-like thing to do, not just allow the chaos to exist. You thought you were taking them somewhere, but they've been keeping you right here. We got to learn to love them without rescuing them. That's a difficult one. Moms with a son or a daughter, maybe a son or daughter with a mom or a dad that is always needy, uses things like guilt to, to, to keep you the same, keep you stuck. When you love them, you say, Hey, I'm on your team but I'm not going to take every shot. Uh, I'm a, I, I, I believe in you and I, I want to see you win, but I can't fight every battle for you. Um, you're going to have to learn to fix some of these issues in your own life and in your own world. So what's the balance between grace, love, and truth? Galatians chapter six. 
I'd read this whole chapter when you get a chance. I'm just gave you two verses out of it. Apostle Paul says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's the law of love. That's a love that's sacrificial. That's a love that serves. And then he goes on in verse five and says, each one should carry their own load. And when you read that on the surface, it seems overwhelming because I'm carrying other people's burdens and I'm carrying my own load. How is this helping me, Paul? I've got their problems and I've got my problems as well. Anyone else overwhelmed yet just with one passage of scripture? But if we go back to the original language, when we look at it in the Greek, we can see he's saying two uh, unique, different situations. Because when he says burdens, what does he mean? It means more like it's more translates to like a boulder, something that someone cannot take care of themselves or carry themselves. In other words, it's a back breaking load or situation. In other words, something you could not carry alone, even if you tried. What would a boulder be in someone's life? Uh, a divorce that they're walking through. A disease that they might have. A death of a child or a dying family member. The loss of a job. Significant struggles in their life in a season or a situation. And we're supposed to, as believers, Paul writes to the church and says, you got to learn to carry for others when they can't carry it themselves. They do not have the ability to lift that on their own. And I think it's for a period of time until they grow and mature or are strengthened or the situation dissipates and then they can carry their own load. Because the word he uses for load actually means like the cargo you're called or equipped to carry. I think another word that you could use is like your own backpack. It's all your daily things you need. It's your rations for the day. It's everything you need for your life. It's the things you're responsible for. What's in your backpack? It's your feelings, your thoughts, your values, your resources you need to live on. It's getting strong. It's that guarded heart place of strength that you're called and accountable to take care of. So you have your own backpack. You have your own load. And yet there's people with burdens or with boulders. God never intended you to fix someone else's emotions. Fix someone else's, listen, reoccurring financial breakdowns and problems. God never intended for you to fix someone's bad attitude or behavior. It's not your job to fix people. It's God's. And it's their decision in times of delinquency or dilemma to turn to God. Now, that's why we give grace and that's why we serve. But then we point them to the one who can actually help and heal and restore. But we're not called to carry their daily load. Their backpack should be on their back. But when they've got a boulder, that's when we come and help. Is anyone getting anything out of this today? It is not your calling to take care of people that choose to continue to live in chaos. Some of you like to conceal it or cover up for them. And some of you, you, you want to heal it for them. But you might need to give them some space for them to own it themselves and handle their own drama before it derails you. Because problem people, if you want to know what kind of people you need a boundary with, is those that use anger, guilt, shame, and silence to change you. If they're using anger, guilt, silence, or shame, that is a person you need to have a boundary with. How many of you ever tried to make a miserable person happy? How's that working out for you? It doesn't work. You can love them. You can encourage them. You can serve them. 
but you cannot change them. Bear one another's burdens and so we fulfill the law of Christ. We can't run away from people's burdens, but we cannot carry their own load. Some of you actually have never let anyone else in on the burden that you're carrying currently. This is why you need to get over your pride and realize that there's healing and help in the house of God. That there's wisdom with the multitude of counselors. There's people that can help you, but you have to learn to take your own responsibility. And where do we take them? Jesus says, come to me, Matthew 11, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I'll give you soul satisfaction and strength. Jesus is the one that helps people. We help them to Jesus. When you quit being their savior, they might actually meet him. When you quit, quit bailing them out, they might actually find God who will build them up. Even the good Samaritan story, this guy, the Samaritan, someone that was like a natural born enemy, he decided to be a neighbor to, but he picks him up. He bandages his wounds with what he's got on him in his own load. This guy's under a burden of brokenness on the road. And he finds him in that place. He lifts him up. He puts him on his own animal and then takes him to a hospital where he can meet a healer. He even pays sacrificial generosity. And then he leaves. He does not wait by the bedside. He does not try to do everything himself. He doesn't come back day after day after day, giving more, giving more. No, he leaves. And then he comes back and says, if there's more, I can give more. But he defined boundaries in that place. Now, if this guy got out of that bed and went back, back and laid down in the road, do you think this good Samaritan is going to do the same thing over and over again? See, this is where we need to define the roles and the healthy places of responsibility in our relationships. When you quit being their savior, they might actually meet him. But we got to carry our own load. You're responsible for your own life. Not any, it's not anyone else's fault that if you're exhausted or you're overworked, or your finances run their own way. And I realize there's some situations that are outside. Some situations are burdens. Some situations are boulders that fall on you out of nowhere unexpectedly. But ultimately, you're responsible for your own life. You say, my marriage stinks. My, my marriage stinks. My wife doesn't make me happy. It is no one's responsibility to make you happy. It's your own heart you've got to guard. So we carry our own backpack, our own load, our emotions, our time management, our responsibilities says in 2 Corinthians 5, this, Jesus will judge you one day on how well you carry your load. This is not access to eternity. This is how did you handle the responsibilities of your own life. Really quickly, let me give you a couple things I think I see from the difference between cargo and load. I'm sorry, between the, the boulder and the load, between the burden and the load. If I won't care for others' burdens, I've got selfishness. If I won't share my burden with others when I, my back is broken by the boulder, I've got pride. If I don't take responsibility for my own load, my daily backpack, I got codependency. If I carry other people's loads and cargo and I carry, even, I carry other people's daily needs and drop mine, I'm enabling. It's called people pleasing. Hi, my name is Kyle and I'm a recovering people pleaser. When you have a need of insecurity and need to be wanted, it's so easy to get into a mess of trying to meet everyone else's needs and forsaking your own. Hey, I still live sacrificially, but I realized a long time ago, and I'm still walking it out, I cannot save and secure everyone's future. 
I can't rescue everyone. That is God's job. Or I will miss places and people that should be a priority. There's an old saying that the cobbler's children have no shoes. Let me translate that. Uh, shoemaker's kids ain't got no kicks. That's what that means. Because he's always taking care of everyone else's feet and not the ones that should matter the most. And I just have decided I refuse to build the church at the expense of my marriage or my children. Now I'm gonna live sacrificially and sometimes I'm gonna live poured out, but I cannot pour out something I do not have. This is why I gotta guard my heart because out of it flows the spring of life. I gotta learn to establish this. You're not serving, if you're serving someone that refuses to change, you are no longer a blessing to them. Because if you're getting progressively bitter at them, it isn't working. That is not love. That's the fear of being rejected or unwanted or needed by someone. And that is of not, not of God for you. And you've been enabling people by carrying their load for them without carrying your others. And a break in the relationship might lead to a breakthrough for them. I'm out of time, definitely not out of content. I'll come back to this in a future weekend. But let me say this, boundaries begin with me and lead to a better we. I'm the one responsible by the word of God, with wise counsel, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to investigate my mind, my heart, and my soul. I'm the one that defines what is healthy for me in this season so that in my relationships, I can have a better we, us together. We learn to confront the issue and the problem, not the person, and we always do it in love. Matthew 18 says, if your brother or sister sins, go out and point out their fault just between the two of you. In other words, have the backbone not to gossip about them, not to slander them, not to run away from them, but to come and have a crucial conversation with them that might actually help restore and strengthen. Because it says, if they listen to you, you have won them over. In other words, be willing to have the conversation. And we never leave the posture or the position of love. His boundaries are not weapons that wound, but they're a space for healing and to protect your heart and your future. You come to the person clearly and say, hey, after you've prayed, after you know it's of God, after you've examined yourself, and come to the person clearly and says, hey, this is a reoccurring behavior. And I love you and I want you to win, but it is costing me too much. And I respect you and I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to walk with you through this, but this is where the line is drawn and how our relationship is going to move on from this place. I'm not here to judge you. I want a better relationship. I want a better us. I want to win together, but I gotta tell you the truth because of us, because I actually value you. And maybe be honest with them, I've actually, love that you needed me it's made me feel accepted or, or or given me some worth and i realized that you can't define my worth only god can and then if they push back hey realize this no is not a bad answer being willing to say no is not a bad answer. let me give you a phrase that's going to set you free this just doesn't work for me right now and if they need further explanation you don't have to give it. This just doesn't work for me right now. Let me tell you what does work. Let me tell you how I can serve you. Let me tell you how I can help you. Let me, let me tell you how I can get you into freedom at Hillsong, Kansas City. Let, let, me, let me tell you what, what, what sort of counseling opportunities are. 
Because just maybe after you've examined the plank in your own eye, then you have the opportunity to pull that speck out of theirs and actually help them see their life and their future and their king clearly. A hot-tempered person, Proverbs 19, must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you will have to do it again. So if we just keep getting in this cycle where you're their savior, you got to pray for clarity, have the conversation, set a clear boundary. I think if you don't inform them, then it gets awkward. Not informing them someone that they've crossed the line only leads to resentment on your end and confusion on their end. You might have to establish three consequences that, hey, if this keeps going, I'm not going to be controlled by this any longer. This is what it's going to look like. I'm going to have to put some separation in this place because some people don't respond to words of love. They only respond to pain caused by their pride. Like my kids, I, I can't always convince them of the right behavior. Sometimes I have to discipline them just like God does with us. He disciplines those that he loves so that it can lead us to a better future. When the words don't work, you might have to put them on timeout. And then we plant seeds of discipline. Hebrews 12 brings forth peaceful fruit of righteousness. It can help bring a harvest of right relationship. You have to go to them and say, hey, your chaos has a consequence and it's a price I'm not willing to pay anymore because it's actually wounding me and it's keeping you wounded. And then we keep the path until there's healing. And this one hurts sometimes. The Bible says stand firm in your freedom and don't go back to the yoke of slavery anymore. There's that part of us that, oh, that codependency, that enablement wants to get back and get involved. And you just have to say, no, this is what I've defined. And then over in different seasons, you might actually have more to give only after you've guarded your own heart and strengthened yourself. 2 Corinthians 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. We are fighting for a future not fragmented by their brokenness, but of restoration, of peace, of health, of strength. In other words, we're not just cutting them out. We're learning to clearly define the line so it can lead to something greater. There are burdens and there are boundaries that will lead you to blessing. And this verse is almost always about giving. In fact, that's the context of the scripture. But I want you just to own it for your own living. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. You must each decide in your heart, that place that we have guarded and protected, how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in a response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. My soul is my responsibility. My heart is my responsibility. And if I cannot do it with joy and cheerfully, I've got to protect my heart for a while until I have the strength to give even sacrificially got to take care of yourself so that you can actually care for people in a way that will lead them and help them into health and to healing. On the plaza of North, would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. I do believe God is starting a conversation with you and Him, not me preaching at you, but me leading you and pointing to the Word of God and to spend time in the presence of God so that you can have strength in how to handle the relationships that might be harming you and even harming or enabling them. 
I know this is difficult. This is heavy lifting in church. But if you got a heaviness on your heart towards someone, God will help you. And he will clearly define what it looks like to love them, to give grace to them, and to speak truth to them so that they can change, they can grow, and you can go on to your destiny completely. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart, every relationship, every single person. There is probably one, two, maybe many people in our life. Maybe we are the ones that have needed the enablement or needed the codependency. So God, right now, like only the Holy Spirit can, I'm asking you to do a heart work, a heart transplant, and where there's been chaos in relationships and confusion on boundaries, I think you speak clearly, definitively, and give them courage on how to walk forward. Help them guard their heart. Not to live guarded from everyone, but to guard or protect and grow themselves so they have something to invest in those that you called them to walk with. And Lord, as we walk this out as a community of faith, would we encourage each other with healthy boundaries as believers so that other people can see what sacrificial love looks like and help us always speak the truth in love that leads people to more of you in Jesus' name.